Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. And I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. The vision for this show here on Calvary Live is to give you a place, a hotline, if you will, to call in with your questions about the Bible and to call in with your prayer requests. We've got pastors here every day from 4 to 5 p.m. Mountain Time uh, taking your calls and taking your texts, praying for you. And it is a, it's an honor and a privilege to be able to do that. Uh, my name is Nick Cady. Again, I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church here in Longmont, Colorado. I'm your host every Friday, and I'm glad to be with you today. Give me a call. The number is 303-690-3000. It's 303 303- Six nine zero three thousand, or you can text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Once again, that text number is seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. I want to welcome those of you who are listening uh, in Colorado and in to Southern Wyoming here on Grace FM, up and down the front range of the Rockies, all the way from Cheyenne down to Colorado Springs. You guys are hearing this show live if you're tuning in on Grace FM today. I also want to welcome those of you listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. And we also want to welcome those listening on Truth FM in Tennessee and parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. Welcome to the program. Just a reminder for those of you listening on the East Coast, as well as the area around Tennessee, you're hearing the program on a one-week delay. So that's Hope FM and Truth FM. You're hearing the show on a one-week delay. We just want you to know that and keep it in mind, but we want you to still call in. And you guys do have a unique opportunity. You'll be able to listen to yourself on the radio a week from now and not just listen to yourself, but I want to encourage you, for you callers there on Hope FM and Truth FM, take that opportunity to tell somebody else, hey, I'm going to be on the radio at this time, on this station, and tune in, you know. So you you can use that as a way to spread the word about the station, maybe get some other people listening, and who knows what God might do in their life. I was just reading a tweet from Grace FM that went out today, and it was just a testimony of somebody who called into this show and heard the gospel. They Their phone actually got cut off during the call. They heard the gospel. They ended up coming into church. They heard the invitation to uh, come to church. They came to church, gave their life to the Lord. Um, and so God really uses this station. And we know there's so many people who tune in, so many more, right, than who call in. There's a lot of silent listeners who just have it on in their car listening. And so we would love to hear from you if you're one of those listeners. We'd love to pray for you. And I know that you've probably got questions about the Bible as you've been reading, as you've been uh, a Christian, or maybe you're newer to the faith, maybe you've been a Christian a long time, but there are things that come up that you've always been curious about, and we'd love to hear from you with those questions. And Maybe your question 
will be the same question that somebody else has, and they'll be blessed as they hear an answer to it. And we hope that other people listening in will be encouraged. So give us a call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us, 720-336-0897. Uh, we want to give a, a big hello as well to those who listen online. There are so many of you who do that, and you listen in two ways online. You can listen just directly on our website, gracefm.com, and there's a button there where you can listen live. And also, we have a great mobile app that's free for your tablet and for your phone. And you can just go get that by going in your app store for your phone or your tablet and typing in gracefm with no spaces, just as one word, gracefm. It'll come right up. It's totally free. You put that on your device. There's... There's some cool features in it with like Bible plans and things like that. But the key thing there is that you can listen live to this show and all the other great programs on Grace FM, all the solid Bible teaching anytime, no matter where you are in the world. Speaking of people being outside of our listening range, it looks like we've got callers uh, in the Pacific Northwest today, down in Los Angeles. Looks like um, Southern New Mexico, we've got some listeners as well as a a bunch here along the front range of the Rockies in Colorado. We've got some Midwest listeners, somebody down in Louisiana. Looks like we've got some listeners on the East Coast as well as a listener in Chernitsi, Ukraine. So welcome, everybody who's tuned in online. And we'd love it if you'd help us spread the word on social media about Grace FM. Just get the word out. Let people know that you're tuning in, listening. And let's get more and more people listening to, you know, solid Bible teaching here on this station. And, um, yeah, that'd be awesome. The number to call for Calvary Live today, 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. And you can also text us, 720-336-0897. Once again, my name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Uh, we're a Calvary Chapel-affiliated church here in this city. And we would love to minister to you and serve you in any way that we can. We are currently open for in-person services. We just recently moved into a new facility. And this facility is pretty big. And it gives us the opportunity to be able to do in-person services. So if you're looking for a place to worship in person this Sunday, we'd love to have you. We are following all of the CDC and State of Colorado guidelines for social distancing, for wearing masks and all that good stuff, but we are so glad that we can gather in person. Now, if you're not feeling well and you need to stay home, we totally respect that and understand that. But if you would like to worship with us in person, I'll tell you where our new location is. We've been in here since March, but of course, March was when everything went crazy. And so we've been having in-person services since June, but we're also, so our model is we do full in-person services, and full online services. So if you'd like to join us in person or online this Sunday, here's how you can do that. Uh, online, you can go to whitefieldschurch.com. That's our website, whitefieldschurch.com. You can join us online there. You can also join us online on our Facebook page and our YouTube channel. Those are facebook.com slash whitefieldschurch, youtube.com slash whitefieldschurch. We'd love it if you'd go on there, follow us. If you find content on there that's helpful for you, we'd love it if you'd share it with others as well. And the way to come to in-person services this Sunday, uh, the services are at 9 and 11. That's also the time for our streaming our uh, services online. So 9 and 11 a.m. And we are located in Longmont. We're on the east side of town, uh, 
in between I-25 and the city center of Longmont. So we are at 2950 Colorful Avenue, 2950 Colorful Avenue, Longmont, Colorado, 80504. And that 80504 means we're on the east side of town. We're just east of County Line Road and Ken Pratt Boulevard, which is also called Highway 119. So we're on, we're literally on Highway 119, set back a few, maybe like 100 yards, and we're directly opposite of Sandstone Ranch Sports Complex. So we are, Sandstone Ranch is on the south side of 119, we're on the north side. And as I'm looking out my office window right now, I'm just looking right out at Sandstone Ranch and looking out at the Flatirons uh, as well. So... Uh, we'd love to have you join us, 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont, 9 and 11 a.m. And we, we, uh, we'd encourage you, bring your mask and come worship the Lord with us this Sunday if you're looking for a place to worship. All right, let's go to our first caller, uh, Angela in Parker, Colorado. Hi, Angela. Welcome to the program. Angela. Well, we might have lost Angela either. Oh, I thought I heard you for a second. Okay, so uh, Angela had a question, and her question, I have it written here in the notes, is she wants to know what the Bible means when it says to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth. So let's go over to the Gospel of John, chapter 4, and this is where Jesus is talking about this. Um, and so, yeah, it looks like Angela... Uh, Drop. She was a bit nervous. Angela, you don't need to be nervous. Uh, we'd love to have you on here. Feel free to call back if you'd like. But if you're tuning in and you want to hear the answer to your question, uh, I'd be happy to answer it for you real quick. So I'm going to John chapter 4. And this phrase, to worship the Lord in spirit and in truth, it comes from John chapter 4. And in John chapter 4, Jesus is having a conversation with a Samaritan woman at a well. And so what's important to know about the Samaritans is that um, because of the division of Israel during the time after Solomon the king. So you read about this in 1 Kings chapter, ooh, let me check real quick. I'm teaching it right now. I'm, get, I'm kind of losing track of what happened when. Okay, so it's 1 Kings chapter 12 is where we see the kingdom divided. And that's after King Solomon. And, you know, in Solomon's time, the kingdom was the largest. It was unified. After King Solomon, the kingdom was divided because of the foolish leadership of Solomon's son, Rehoboam. And what happened is that this guy named Jeroboam led this, you know, big revolt against the southern part of Israel, which included Jerusalem. And he didn't want his people going down to Jerusalem to worship. And so what they did is they set up their own altars in the northern part of Israel to prevent their population from going down to Jerusalem, you know, lest people be kind of drawn towards reunifying Jerusalem, in which case Jeroboam would have been seen as a traitor. So that happened. And as it happened, they, they got drawn into idolatry. And because they got drawn into idolatry and they had a bunch of kings who led them into idolatry, they had zero good kings in the northern kingdom of Israel. All of the kings led them into terrible idolatry. God ended up uh, bringing a judgment upon them to get them to repent, and that was through the Assyrians taking them over. Okay, all that to say this, what happened as a result was that in the northern kingdom of Israel, they started worshiping um, other gods. They had their own kind of anti-temple on Mount Gerizim. And so Jesus meets this woman, and she realizes that he is a prophet, 
or he's a man of God, right? And so she asks him this question. She says, I've always wanted to ask somebody this question. She says, you know, you Jews, you worship God in Jerusalem, but we worship God on this mountain, Mount Gerizim. Um, so which one is the real place to worship? And that's where Jesus says this in John chapter 4, verse 21. Jesus said, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. Now, this is an allusion to the fact that the temple in Jerusalem was going to be destroyed. But what Jesus is saying is, you're asking the wrong question. You think that worshiping God is a matter of tradition. And he says, no, no, no. You're, you're missing the point. It's not about tradition, and it's not about places, but rather, he says, the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So what that means is he's contrasting the, um, the worship of God according to tradition and according to places by contrasting it with spirit and in truth. It looks like Angela is back. So I'm just going to have Angela come on and we can finish this conversation with you on the line. Hey, Angela. Oh, hi there. I hey. had to hang up. Or, oh, wait a minute. Let me turn that off. I had okay. to hang up. Uh, that was an excellent explanation, but totally different from what I was trying to figure out myself. But, yeah, and I'll add one thing, and that's this, that he says in verse 22, you worship what you do not know, but we worship what we know, for salvation comes from the Jews. In other words, what Jesus is saying is, in order to worship God properly, you do have to worship according to truth. But you worship him not according to tradition, but you worship him in the spirit. And and that's along the lines of the itching ears and the false doctrine doctrine and and basically telling people what they want to hear. Well, yes, yeah, so it would be in the sense yeah. that, that God gets to tell us how he wants to be worshipped on his terms rather than us, us doing it on our terms. Making our, I see, okay, that, that makes complete sense. That was a great explanation. Thank you so much. I'm glad it was helpful. Yeah, and, um, it was. Thank you so much. Thank you, you for bet. your time. Okay, God bless you. Take care. All right, bye-bye. There, there's one final thought that I want to add in there, and that's this, that um, that passage actually is referenced, did you know this, in um, Philippians chapter 3 by Paul the Apostle. And here's what he says. He says, uh, he's speaking about what are called Judaizers, right? These were kind of legalists who said that in order to be a Christian, you had to follow all the Jewish rituals and law. And so Paul speaks to that in Philippians chapter 3, and he says, look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, those who mutilate the flesh. Those are things that he's using to refer to these Judaizers. But he says this, for we are the true circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. He says this is true spirituality, not tradition, not legalism, not self-righteousness. True spirituality means to worship by the Spirit of God, not according to uh, empty traditions of man, and to glory in Jesus Christ rather than glorying in ourselves, right? So we say to him be the glory. He is good. Not I am good, but he is good. And we put no confidence in our flesh. 
So we understand that we are fallen, that we are saved by grace, that we need that grace every day. All right. So, hey, thanks, Angela. Good uh, question. And I'm glad that you found the answer to be helpful. So let's go. We have two open lines. Before we go to our next caller, let me give you the lines or the number to call. The number is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Call in with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests. And text us at 720-336-0897. We've got two open lines. It would be a great time for you to call in if you have a question or prayer request. Let's go to Dwayne in Pennsylvania. Hi, Dwayne. Welcome to the program. Hey, how you doing? Doing great. Okay. Uh, I didn't catch your name. What was your name? My name's Nick. Hey, Nick. Okay. Yeah, you're on, uh, you're on last week's show here in Pennsylvania, too. So I didn't yeah. know if you're... But okay, um, um, yeah. When I called back, you know, before, you know, I said, you know, about the homeless and jobs and stuff like that, and then I didn't, you know, got that Hemp Brothers deal. But yeah, when it came down to like uh, doing the road test, I couldn't get. I got my CDL Class B like ten years ago, but I never really got a job with it. I only drove hit and miss, and it was like for other people, you know. With the Hemp Brothers, is like, yeah, I wasn't getting the shifting down. And then two days before I had to take the road test, I started getting it down. And so I was, like, confident. And when the, the transportation manager got in and did the road test, you know, I, I couldn't shift again. I was just grinding every gear. You know, I couldn't do it. Couldn't get the high-low. Or I, I, got, I got the high gear all right when, when I got there. But when it came back to downshifting and getting down the downshift and going into lower gear, uh, yeah, I, I blew it all. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I blew that test. And then uh, so I didn't have a job again. And then uh, today marks like two weeks since then. Well, it's, well, I'm not sure how, what time frame it was. About two two weeks uh, or three weeks in between there, but. Today marks uh, two weeks since I started working for uh, Fisher Auto Parts, delivering uh, auto parts down to like Baltimore and Maryland and stuff like Baltimore, Maryland and stuff. And uh, just for, you know, thank God I got a job, even though the Hemp mm-hmm. Brothers didn't work out. You know, okay. I believe God gave me this job, and I just pray that uh, that I get the hang of it. Yeah. And don't screw up and be able to keep it and be able to. You know, okay. have the well, job for a for while to so get money saved up and get money in place and get, get get back on my feet. Sounds good. Let's pray for you. Heavenly Father, we lift up Dwayne to you and thank you for this new job. Thank you for the opportunity, you know, to um, have work and to have income. Lord, we pray for him that you would help him to keep this job, help him to learn to do it well. And Lord, we pray uh, that he would be able to do, as as your word says, that he would be able to do this job uh, unto you, Lord, that he would be serving you, looking to you for his reward and doing it with his whole heart, understanding that he's doing this job for you and not for anybody else. And so, Lord, thank you on the one hand for the income that this job brings. And thank you, Lord, for um, giving him the skills and the knowledge to do it. We pray that he would be able to keep it and that you'd continue providing for him. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Thank you cool. very much. God bless you. Dwayne. You have a good- Yep, you guys have a good weekend. You too. Bye-bye.
Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air today. The number to call is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Looks like we've got all open lines right now. It's a great time to call in. I'll get you on the air very quickly. And the text line, if you'd like to text us, is 720-336-0897. Let's go over to our text line while we wait for some more calls to come in. Uh, We have a texter who asks us to pray for their friend's cousin, George. He had an operation on his heart, needs to go back in for a pacemaker. His kidneys aren't working well. He has very low blood pressure. Pray that he will come out of this. Okay, let's pray for uh, George. Heavenly Father, we lift up George to you. Uh, Lord, just thinking about this uh, dire situation he's in with this heart operation, Lord, we do pray for him that his kidneys would begin working fully and that they they would begin functioning the way that they're meant to. Lord, I pray for him that his blood pressure would come up. And Lord, I pray for him that wherever he's in the hospital, you'd be with those doctors, nurses, medical workers who are taking care of him, the administrators who are working in that hospital, Lord, be with them, guide them, and use them, Lord, as your hands to uh, to do your work in George's life of helping him be better. Lord, we pray that they would diagnose well, that they would treat well, and Lord, we pray for George that as he's in this state, um, I don't even know what his level of awareness might be, but Lord, I pray that George would sense your presence with him that even now in this weakened state, he would be turning to you, knowing that even when he is weak physically, he can be strong in you, Lord, by the strength and the power of your might. And so, Lord, I pray for George that he would trust in you during this time. I pray that his heart would be fully yours and you would do your work. We do ask for his physical healing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, we're praying for George there. Hey, Nick Katie here, Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. Give us a call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us, 720-336-0897. Looks like we've got uh, Yvonne in Denver, Colorado. Let's go over there. Hi there, Yvonne. Is it Yvonne or is it Ivan? Ivan. Okay. Hey, good to have you, Ivan. Hey, Pastor Nick. How are you doing today? Doing well. Okay, I have a question about uh, Lucifer. When uh, when God cast him uh, from heaven, he cast him down to earth. And then it, it says uh, in Revelation that uh, he doesn't send him to hell. He casts him into the fiery lake to hell. So I assume that he's just walking the earth. Until then, so my question is, who's who's in hell now? Until then, mm-hmm. yeah, good question. Yeah, it would seem to me that the dwelling place of Satan—I've had people ask me this before—is not in hell, but rather on the earth, right? Uh, right? He's he's referred to that in several different ways, right? The prince of the power of the air, the god of this age, the, these kinds of things speak about earth. And, of course, we see, you know, in the book of Job that it says that he's been roaming the earth. Um, so who is in hell right now? Well, the answer to that would be uh, the souls of those who are waiting for the final judgment who died apart from faith. 
So I give you a good explanation of this. Um, it's a little bit long, but I'll try and make it as fast as I possibly can. Okay, so Luke chapter 16 is a good place to look that gives us a, a good insight into how this works. Now, um, here's what you should know. Like in the Old Testament, when we read about like Psalm 139, right? So if I descend into Sheol, you are there. Now, how could it be that God is in Sheol if Sheol is hell? And the answer is, that Sheol contains hell, but Sheol is more than hell, right? So in the Jewish mindset and the, the Old Testament terminology, Sheol is the place, of, the dwelling place of the dead. So it's where souls go. And it's essentially Sheol is a, a waiting room while you await future things. And what we see in Luke 16 is that Sheol was divided into two parts. And one part was a place of comfort for those who died in faith. The other place was a place of torment for those who died apart from faith. And so when we think about the Old Testament saints, as we call them, right? So like Hebrews chapter 11, we have a whole list of Old Testament saints, people who died in faith, trusting in God. You know, Abraham trusted God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So what happened to these people when they died? Did they go to heaven? Well, the answer is, not right away. They did not go to heaven right away. Instead, they went to Abraham's bosom, which was part of Sheol, the dwelling place of the dead. That's why uh, David says, if my soul goes down to Sheol, the Lord will be there. Well, the Lord will be there in the sense that the Lord would be, uh, Lord's presence would be there in Abraham's bosom, which was half of Sheol. The other half of Sheol called hell or Hades. And so we see this story here in Luke 16 that kind of depicts that. Jesus is telling us about that. What's interesting about the story is the story is not written as a parable. Jesus never says the way that he, he doesn't explain it the way he explains his other parables where he says the kingdom of heaven is like this or like that. No, he says, hey, there was a guy named Lazarus and this is what happened to him. And there was another guy and this is what happened to him. And, you know, so these two people go into, um, the two different parts of Abra or, sorry, of Sheol, one to Abraham's bosom, the other to Hades, and we're told that there's a chasm between them which cannot be crossed. And we also learn that once you're in Hades, you cannot come out. However, if we put the other pieces of the Bible together, what it looks like is that Jesus, during the time when he was, you know, he had been crucified, during the time when his body was in the grave, Jesus' soul goes down to Abraham's bosom and he sets free those who were being held there and he brings them up into the immediate presence of God because at this point now Jesus has redeemed them, right? So now they can their souls have been redeemed. He he takes them in his leads them in his train up to the presence of God. So here's what that means for right now. It means that if you die today in faith, your your soul will go to be with God. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Uh, if you die apart from faith, then you go to Hades or hell, excuse me, Hades or hell, which is part of Sheol, and you await the final judgment, which is to come. But there's no getting out of it, right? So it's still a waiting room, but it's not like you're going to have a chance to get out of Hades or hell. Rather, the judgment will come and you will end up going being experiencing what's called the second death, which
which is what you referred to in Revelation, where Hades and hell are emptied into the lake of fire, and then Satan, of course, ends up being cast into the lake of fire as well. There's going to be a second judgment of the people that are in Hades? I didn't say a second judgment. I said a judgment. There will be a second death, is what it's called in um, Revelation. And that's okay. in that passage which you referenced. Um, right. A, yeah. Well, in the Old Testament, there was, I'm not sure who it was, there was someone just, that was... Just a heads up on. for you real quick. And we you can hold if you want. I need to just tell you that uh, we're about to go to our mid-show break here in about 20 seconds. And so um, we're going to get cut off. So I would just invite you to hold, and then you could ask your follow-up question right after that. Okay. Does that sound good? All right, thanks. Okay, thanks. sounds good. Hey, we're about to go to our mid-show break. You're listening to Calvary Live. We've got all full lines right now, but you can text us. The text line is 720-336-0897. My name's Nick Cady from Whitefields Church in Longmont, Colorado. We'll be right back in two minutes' time after this break. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon and welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, here taking your calls and texts live on the air. We've got all open or sorry, all full lines right now. Um, but we will have, as soon as you hear somebody drop, then feel free to call in right away and we'll try and get you on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000 or you can text us 720-336-0897. And let's go back to Ivan in Denver. We were talking with him uh, about hell and Lucifer uh, right before the break. Hi, Ivan. Thanks for holding. Sure. Uh, yeah, the, the uh, follow-up question I had was uh, Enoch and Elijah. They were uh, they ascended directly to heaven, correct? They didn't uh, they didn't go down to Hades. I don't know the answer to that. Actually, here's here's my take on that. We have to take the Bible as what it as uh, a whole, right? Like we we have to do our theology as biblical theology. We can't just uh, take verses in isolation, but we do have to explain those verses if they. Uh, seem to be saying something that doesn't fit with other parts of the Bible, right? This is just basic biblical hermeneutics and exegesis. But here's the deal. If it says, like, for example, that Elijah was caught up into heaven, we got to remember the fact that there are three heavens, right? The three three ways that heaven is talked about, like Paul talks about, you know, in 2 Corinthians 12, where he says, I was caught up to the third heaven. Because in ancient thinking, they differentiated between three kinds of heavens. So they said, you know, we, we actually do the same thing today, right? We talk about the atmosphere, right? So the sky, the clouds, etc. Then we talk about what's beyond that, what we would call outer space. That would be the second heaven. And the third heaven is not a physical location, but it's a dwelling place of God. So which heaven is it speaking of? Well, keeping everything in context of the Bible, uh, we're left with the question, okay, he was caught up to heaven. Is it saying that he was caught up to the immediate presence of God, or was it saying that he was just caught up into the sky and taken away? Um, so I would tend to argue that 
those men were taken uh, to Abraham's bosom. Yeah, it just seems to be a distinction there, and I was just curious about that. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a good question, though. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of these things where we're going to get to heaven and you and me can go and talk to talk to the Lord and we can ask, okay, so how exactly did this go down? Okay. All right. Well, great, Pastor. I appreciate it. Have a okay. God bless you. Bye-bye. Listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Taking your calls and texts live on the air. Number to call, 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. We just had a line open up, so feel free to call in. The text line is 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Tommy in Loveland. Hi, Tommy. Welcome to the program. Yes. Yes, I'm talking about the, the, what advice that you can give me, that you remember that I told you that, uh, that my, I don't know if I can take the cell phone away from my, my granddaughter or I don't know what to do. Okay, so you have a granddaughter who's using the cell phone a lot? He used it, well, she used it a lot and for all these years and it's okay. That's all she has. She don't have too many friends. Mm. But I find out two weeks ago that she... She ended up with uh, and another, I don't know, pictures all over. Um, she she act, acting like she's a boy, and I asked her, what are you doing? She says, well, I like to be a boy. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know what to do. I, I hope I can take away the cell phone, or I don't know what to do. Yeah, that's really hard. Here's, here's what I'd say. If, it, if you're daughter is 12 years old or your granddaughter is 12 years old, I would say that I think it's totally within your uh, rights and within reason and wisdom to say, okay, you know what? You're contacting people. You shouldn't be able to just use this without any oversight at all. I think that we want to be, you know, that that's the role God has given us in the lives of our kids is to guide them and lead them. And somebody else is going to be discipling your kids, right? Somebody else is going to be training your kids and shaping their life if it's not you. So we don't want to be passive about it. We want to be active, actively involved. Now, on the one hand, we don't want to shelter too much. But on the other hand, it is our job as parents, as grandparents, as stewards over their lives. And so um, I would just encourage you, I think it's okay to take the phone away, but I don't think that is going to solve the big issue here. It sounds like there's something more going on with uh, her gender dysphoria and the questions she's having about wanting to be a boy. I would tell you that it's not uncommon for uh, kids of her age, you know, puberty age, to start having those kind of feelings or start having those questions. And right now we live in a culture that, um, encourages that, right? So it encourages people to say, oh, hey, you feel that there's something wrong with you or you feel that uh, you don't fit in. Well, maybe the reason is because, you know, you were actually meant to be something different than what you are. I would tell you there's a there's a lot of reasons why we don't believe that. Um, there's there's many reasons. We, we don't believe that God makes mistakes. And so the question is, why is she doing that? And there's there's a lot of reasons why that can happen. I would just encourage you have those conversations with her. Start to talk with her, um, and you know if you can get her 
into some kind of counseling. Um, I know that a lot of uh, Christian counselors are wary about uh, talking about gender issues, but you know this is where the local church can be very helpful because churches um, are allowed to address these things. And so let's pray for your, um, as you say, is your granddaughter? Have an, uh, in a therapy because um, since her mom died, she said uh, that her siblings doesn't come and see her and, and his dad is not in the picture. And then uh, three months ago, one of her, her sisters having an accident and dying in an accident. Oh, no. And I know that she goes through a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's what I don't take in the phone away because I, I know that she goes through a lot. And now she has those uh, uh, and, uh Incited attacks, mm-hmm. and uh, but I don't want her using as excuse because I find out that another one, my daughters find out that she's sending pictures. You know that she is the boy, and actually I see one, and um, I talk to her, and and she knows that, that she raised in this church, mm-hmm. so really. Some people say you don't get in so hard with her. Well, that is my problem that I don't get in so hard to her. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what to do. Yeah, that I get in more strong to her, take the phone away, or what to do? Yeah, I think that it would be okay to take the phone away um, because obviously she's doing things and going places. But I'll tell you, taking the phone away, again, by itself will not solve the problem. And she'll find other outlets for what she's doing. So I would really encourage you spend as much time as you possibly can talking with her and um, praying with her. I mean, because there's something, it sounds like she's really hurting and there's, uh, you know, part of what she's doing is probably related to the pain that she's feeling. And so I don't know how much time you have available, but I would just encourage you really, really decrease the amount of time she has on the phone, especially unmonitored. Um, and try to spend as much time as you possibly can uh, praying with her, talking with her, and talking about her question. Um, but let, let's pray for her because that's pretty serious. Uh, so, Heavenly Father, we pray for Tommy's granddaughter. And Lord, our hearts break with her because we, we hear about the loss of her mom. We hear about the loss of her siblings. We, feel, uh, we hear about the uh, sense of isolation and loneliness that she's feeling. And that is just heartbreaking is devastating lord and so we ask that you would minister to her heart even that 12 years old lord that she would know you lord that she would see that the healing she desires lord the the community she longs for in her heart uh lord we know that those things are things that you offer us in the gospel but lord sometimes we try to find it in other ways or shortcut it or it seems easier to just go this other way lord i pray for her that you would I pray for Tommy that you would help her to disciple this young heart and lead her down the right way. Uh, not just talk at her, but listen to her. Lord, give her, give Tommy so much wisdom and so much grace to know what to do. But Lord Jesus, we ask in Jesus' name, your powerful name, Lord, that there would be a breakthrough with her granddaughter, that her granddaughter would sense that she's valuable and loved, Lord, that she would sense that you are good, and Lord, that you look at her and you say, this is my... Uh, beloved creation and and, uh, and so lord i pray that uh, your love would break through the fog of what she's feeling and we pray that in jesus name amen amen
Thank you Tom. so much. Tommy, just thank you for calling. Absolutely. Chavel. Okay, Chavel. And I would just encourage our listeners, let's pray for, keep, uh, add her to your prayer list. This is a very sad situation, so let's do that. All right, thank you for calling in. Hey, we're li- this is Calvary Live. You're listening to Calvary Live. My name is Pastor Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. And I think we've got one open line right now. It'd be a good time to call in. You can also text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Beth, in Colorado Springs. Hi, Beth. Welcome to the program. Hi there. Um, I was calling because I had just recently um, heard of a, I believe it's a pastor. His name is Brad Jersick, J-E-R-S-A-K. Mm-hmm. And he has a gospel message on YouTube called The Chair's Gospel. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you're familiar with him. It's basically, um, it's just like a visual gospel given um, with um, like, Chairs is kind of a visual. Um, anyway, I, I think the overall message of it is, it's been a few weeks um, since I've listened to it or watched it, but is that God will is not a judgmental, angry God who um, can't be around sinners, but that He's a loving God, which I agree with. He's a loving God and that He is actively... Seeking us, pursuing us, um, even beyond death. So I just wanted to know if you've heard of him and how to kind of dispute that. Um, somebody who I've known for a very long time and respect has recently introduced me to this, and um, I'm sad that they're kind of going in, in that direction with the theology, but I just wanted to see if you knew or had any insight on that. Yeah, um, you know, and this, I, I am familiar with his writings, and, uh, you know, he's getting a lot of his stuff. He's definitely not the first person to say any of these things. A lot of these things have been said over the years. For a long time, this was just characterized as um, common views held by liberal theologians, meaning theologically liberal theologians. But what happened in the past, uh, I'm going to say, let's just say 15 years, because it's it's been not just 15 years, but let's just say 15 years. But uh, I think that Rob Bell actually is the one who really brought this mainstream for evangelicals. Okay, so, um, you know, Rob Bell wrote a book about called Love Wins and basically said the exact same thing which you just described. And so other people kind of got on board with that. Now, what Rob Bell was saying were, were not things that had not been said before. But what was different about Rob Bell is that he was, um, you know, he considered himself and he was considered by many to be an evangelical, uh, meaning, you know, evangelicals tend to be um, theologically conservative. We tend to take the Bible at face value for what it says. And here was a person who everyone assumed was in the evangelical camp and he's coming out with these thoughts on hell which are traditionally considered liberal theology. And liberal theology tends to not have a very high view of the Bible, right? So rather than seeing the Bible as the inspired word of God, they see it more as a creation of people's 
thoughts about God over the years, right? So we could just make it that simple. Liberal theology tends to view the Bible as a creation of man, whereas uh, conservative theology tends to see the Bible as the inspired word of God, the creation of God. Okay, so, um, you know, one of the big thoughts on that these guys go off of, they love to say that the idea of hell as a place of fire and torment for eternity is something that uh, came about, you know, as a result of Dante's Inferno, and it came about during the Middle Ages because the Catholic Church was trying to control people, and so they tried to control them with fear. Another big argument they'll have is that they'll say um, eternal conscious torment. And so in theological writings, they'll often write this as ECT because it's just a lot, it's a mouthful, right? So they'll say eternal conscious torment um, doesn't make any sense because let's say, you know, you sinned one time, you, you stole bread, you know, in the 1200s because you were hungry. And yeah, that's a sin, but does it make sense that you would go to hell for all of eternity, right? In other words, the punishment doesn't match the crime is the other big argument. So these are kind of a couple arguments, and they'll say all these ideas about hell that Christians generally hold are ideas which are not from the Bible, but which are from uh, different kinds of philosophy or, you know, middle age, you know, church controlling, trying to scare people. The problem with the, all of these explanations is that they don't actually line up with the Bible. Um, because if you look at the Bible, one of the things you'll find is that the Bible does talk about hell. And what's most inconvenient for these people is that Jesus talks about hell more than anybody else. And most of what we believe about hell being a place of fire and torment doesn't come from the Old Testament. Um, it comes from the mouth of Jesus. And so the question is this, are we going to take Jesus at his word or are we going to say, yeah, but Jesus could not have really meant that because he's all about love. And here's the thing that they're, they're conflating. They, they have this idea that love precludes judgment. In other words, if you love somebody, then there can't be any judgment. But the message of the gospel is so much more holistic than that message of the gospel is this and God by the way God uh, introduces himself as a God of judgment and a God of mercy at the same time right so you go back to Je uh, Exodus was it Exodus 36 is that the passage where it's either 34 or 36 I'll have to look it up but it's a passage where God uh, states his name right so he says um, the Lord the Lord which is Yahweh Yahweh a God of um, where is it? I'm just looking for it real quick. Yeah, it's in chapter 33. And he says, uh, you know, he caused his glory to pass before him. Sorry, and then actually happens in chapter 34. The Lord passed before him, that's Moses, and proclaimed his name. The Lord, the Lord, or Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness and faithfulness, keeping his steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin but who will by no means clear the guilty. Okay, so there we see that God introduces himself as a God of mercy, but also a God of justice. And that brings up a problem, right? Because if God is a God of justice, justice means giving somebody what they deserve. And mercy 
means literally not giving someone what they deserve. So how can God be a God of justice and mercy at the same time? And it's been said that the entire Old Testament is basically heavy with this question of who will God turn out to be in the end? Will he turn out to be a God of justice or a God of mercy? And we see kind of, you know, times when God acts injustice, right? And so people are put to death on the spot sometimes, and right, and God sends in uh, troops, you know, from other countries to bring about justice and judgment. But then there are other times where God shows mercy and steadfast love, and you wonder, okay, how's this going to, you know, work out in the end? And that's when we get to Jesus. And in Jesus, we see finally how God is a God of full justice and full mercy at the same time. And the answer is that Jesus took our judgment upon himself so that we could receive life and forgiveness and steadfast love, you know. And so the, um, the problem is that, you know, Jesus has a lot to say about eternal conscious torment. And so does the book of Revelation. And so I, uh, I just really disagree with the ideas that these people present. I think that they are um, what I would call anachronistic, which means that basically you're reading the Bible through modern lenses. And our modern culture tends to view judgment only as bad and um, tends to have this idea that, that God should, you know, it's not nice for God to have judgment. Therefore, you know, it's very it's palatable in our, in our culture to believe in a God who is um, all love and no justice. And so in my opinion, what's so ironic about the whole thing is that they're saying, well, you know, we need to go back and read the Bible with original eyes as opposed to reading it through our modern lens, which has been tainted through the Middle Ages, you know, talks about hellfire and that. The problem is that Actually, if we were to go back and read it and just read Jesus' words, he is the one who talks more about eternal conscious torment than anybody else. So anyway, those are my thoughts on, on Brad uh, Jersick and um, Rob Bell. Thank you so much. Yeah, that, um, that helped clarify it. I guess I, I just don't understand how they are able to reconcile Jesus' own words um, and also his crucifixion and, and what the purpose of his death was. Or, and if he's, if he's talking about hell, I, you know, I'm trying to find a way to have a mature conversation with them and, and be educated on it because I, I don't agree with, with what they're saying. Yeah. There's been some great responses to Rob Bell's book. I would just encourage you to look at some of those and, um, I was just listening to one the other day. There's a premier Christianity has a podcast called um, unbelievable. And there was, I believe it was Andrew Womack was talking with um, Rob Bell and kind of refuting a lot of his ideas. That was a good podcast. I would, I would just encourage you uh, just Google some responses to Rob Bell's book because there were a lot of them and uh, a lot of good ones. So, yeah, look for those. D.A. Carson would be a guy that you'd want to uh, read up on if you want to uh, educate yourself, D.A. Carson, and look for his responses to Rob Bell. There's also, um, you know, a ton of information out there on this subject. I actually taught a sermon on it um, called The Problem or The Trouble Is Hell. If you're interested in that, uh, go ahead and text your phone or text, yeah, text into the, 
text line, anybody out there listening, text in the text line, and I can text you a link to the sermons I've taught on the topic of hell, which deal with a lot of these questions like the punishment fitting the crime, etc. So that text line is 720-336-0897. And one last thought on your question about, you know, Rob Bell and Brad Jersick, they both kind of float this idea out there that even after you're dead, you might still be able to be saved. Um, again, that is actually very much contradicts what we read, like, for example, in Luke 16, which we talked about with a prior caller, which the man asks, you know, can I, can I go back? Is there a way to be saved? And they basically say, no, you know, once you're, once you're here, it's done. There's no crossing over anymore. And I know that that's very hard. And rather than, you know, pushing back or trying to explain it away, we need to ex it, just accept the full force of that and say, well, then so much there is an, an urgency to the gospel. There's absolutely an urgency to it. And so anyway, I hope that answers some of your questions. Thank you so much, Nick. Okay. God bless you. Have a, right. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, listening to Calvary Live, this is Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. We're within the last six minutes of our show. Let's go ahead and go over to our text line and look at some of the texts that have come in and answer some of those. Um, we have one that says, where is it? Here we go. Uh, God has spoken to me through Acts 10, 12 through 13, but I don't understand what to make of that passage. I was hoping you could explain. Let's go ahead and look at that. So Acts 10. I'm going there now. 12 through 13. Here's what it says. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice from him. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Okay, so that was uh, your verse that God spoke to you. Well, you really do need to read the whole chapter. And by the way, that is just always a good practice to do, is that whenever uh, we read the Bible, we, we want to understand particular verses in the context of the chapter. And sometimes if the chapter even is like, what is this? You know, it's kind of like jumping into the middle of a book and reading a couple lines. Well, you need to understand who the characters are. You need to understand the whole plot line. And so that's what we want to do is when you don't understand something in isolation, then we zoom out, right? And we look at the whole chapter. We look at the whole story. We look at how that narrative fits into the whole of the Bible and the story that the, all the Bible together is telling. Okay, so the, the deal here in Acts chapter 10 is that um, Peter, you know, has come to the house of this um, Tanner and there's there's this guy named Cornelius. Now he's a Roman centurion. He fears the Lord, and you know in the early church, all of the early Christians were Jewish originally, right? So what happened is that God had told them. He had told his disciples. You know, he said, for example, in Acts uh, ten, or sorry, in John chapter ten, in John chapter seventeen, Jesus told his disciples, "I have others who are not." of this group. I have other sheep who are not of this flock and I'm going to bring them in. And what Jesus is telling them is that he's, he's wanting to bring in people who are not Jewish people. And this is actually something that was found in the Old Testament as well. This wasn't just a, a New Testament, you know, novelty. But rather, you know, Jesus said, 
warned them and God had told them in the Old Testament, I'm the savior of the whole world. I care about people of every tribe, tongue, and nation. So what's happening here in Acts chapter 12 is that Peter is being told by God in a vision that now's the time. We're going to start welcoming in non-Jewish people and they're not going to be required to keep the Jewish uh, dietary laws or the Jewish ceremonial laws uh, in order to become followers of Jesus, in order to become children of God. And so right after this, Cornelius shows up, and that was God's message to him, not just about food, but really that represents Cornelius, you know, saying, this person's unclean. What God's saying is, I, what I have made clean, no longer call unclean. And that applied more to Cornelius than just to the food that was in the blanket. But then, of course, it also applies to the idea of uh, kosher dietary laws. And I'll make this really quick, but just understand that the law of Moses, right? The 613 laws in the law of Moses, they divide into three categories, ceremonial, civil, and moral. Ceremonial, civil, and moral, because Israel as a people, when they received that law, um, God was their king and their ceremonial laws were tied to their civil law and everything. And so what happened is by the time of Jesus, the civil law, you know, they were ruled by people who were no longer ruled by God, right? They were in the, as their lone king. They were ruled by the Romans. So civil law was not part of the law. And then the ceremonial law, what we're seeing here is that that has been fulfilled in Jesus, but we are still left with the moral law. And so the moral law still applies. And Paul tells us that the role of the moral law is to show us that we are sinners, that we need a savior. So I hope that uh, helps you understand that passage. God bless you. Hey, you've been listening to Calvary Live. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We'd love to have you come worship with us this Sunday for directions, service times, all that good stuff. Check us out online, whitefieldschurch.com. And I will be with you again next week. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.